This commitment involves a predetermined cause. A predetermined cause. You see, Paul was not committing himself to some vague ideology. Rather, he was committing his life to be lived for Jesus Christ. Look again in verse 21. He said, for to me, live Christ. Simple. I'm living for Jesus. It goes on in verse 22. And look at the beginning of verse 22. It says, but if I live in the flesh. In other words, if I'm still alive and breathing in this flesh, um, this what he's referring to there is the glory of Christ, the magnification of Christ is the fruit of my labor. Paul's, Paul's literally saying here that he was not just interested in being alive. He was living. He wanted to be living for Christ. It'd be a whole lot better for him just to die and go on. We'll see he talks about in just a minute. So many people are just interested in being alive, but they don't have a reason for being alive. So it's, I, don't, I don't just want to be alive. I want to truly live. I want to live for Christ. And that is the major difference there. And so long as Paul still had breath to breathe, he had already determined that he would use each breath to magnify Jesus and to accomplish his work. Miss this. Living for the cause of Christ is not a mystery. It's not some vague pie-in-the-sky idea. It's not a mystery. Living for the cause of Christ involves you doing what Jesus wants you to do with your life, not what you want to do with your life. What Jesus wants you to do with your life. Jesus calls all of his true disciples, forsake everything else, follow him. It's the call of true discipleship. In your notes at Luke chapter 9 and verse 23, said unto them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, and take up his cross daily, follow me. The essence of what it means to be a true follower of Jesus. Deny yourself, not my will, but thine be done. I yourself take up your cross, burden God has called you to carry in life, follow Jesus wherever he leads. It's a call of discipleship. That's what, me, that's what it really looks like to live for the cause of Jesus Christ. Everybody lives for something. I wonder what your life statement would be. To me, live is my family. I'm not against living for your family. It shouldn't be the ultimate reason you're living. For to me, to live is my job. To me, to live is... My pleasure. Me to live is my hobby. What would your fill-in-the-blank be today? If you honestly had to evaluate how you're living your life today, the cause that you're living for, everybody's living for something. You can't truly live for the cause of Christ in something else. Either or. Jesus made that clear to us, the scriptures. Uh, you, we could put it this way. You can't follow more than one leader. I don't have time to illustrate this, but I could bring a couple people up here ask them to start going in different directions. I love to do this with young people especially because I'll bring one cocky young person up here feels like they can do anything. Then I have three people go in different directions and I ask them to follow all three of them. Possible. But we want to live our life like we can follow Jesus some of the time and follow something else other of the time and work. Convicting question Jesus asked in Luke chapter 6 and verse 46. He said, why call you me Lord, Lord or Master? You do not do the things which I say. Would you like it? Going to work tomorrow? Your boss asks you to do something? You say, I don't want to do that. Think you keep your job very long? <laughs> Why not? Jesus is your Lord. If he's your master, why are you doing what he asks you to? You're doing your own thing. You're not living for the cause of Christ. 
The Apostle Paul makes it very clear that he had a predetermined cause for which he was living. And that wasn't for himself. That was for the cause of Christ. And the greatest motivator we have to live for the cause of Christ is that it will result in the glory of Christ. The magnification of Christ. There's nothing more significant you can accomplish with your life. Live your life in such a way God gets all the credit. That God gets all the glory is our created purpose, friends. Westminster Catechism, this way, and I think this is the most eloquent way I've ever heard it put. It says, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. That's it. Glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Friend, that's a life worth living right there. So, the Bible tells us that to live for the cause of Christ will, you, you, will require you to live with commitment. And that commitment uh, necessitates, it involves a personal choice, it involves a predetermined cause, but I want you to see this as well, it involves a, pref a preferred conclusion. Preferred conclusion. Now notice what Paul said again at the end of verse 21. He said, for to me to live is Christ, read the rest of the verse out loud with me, and to die is gain. Die is gain. Paul actually believed dying would be to his advantage say this is a peculiarly Christian mindset. Give me any other religion, any other philosophy. No one looks forward to dying except for those who believe in the person who conquered death. That is us as believers. In a couple weeks we're going to celebrate up from the grave he arose. Friend, I'm going to tell you something. That's why we can have this hope in life and in death. Paul said to die is gain. The word used here for dying simply means departing. It was a word used by soldiers, and it, it, it gave the idea of taking your tent down and moving on. All these days, for us as believers, we're going to take this bodily tent down, and our spirit will move on to be with the Lord. What a beautiful picture that is. Paul, top dying was not the end. It was just a journey to a far better place. That's why he said to die is gain. To die is to my advantage. One of the greatest parts of living for the cause of Christ, the fact that we know where it ends up at. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 8 that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And most people in this society today, they dread the thought of dying. They dread the thought of standing before God. But boy, for those of us that truly believe in the finished work of Jesus Christ, we don't have to dread that day. We can look forward to that day with confidence to die truly is gain. Now, what a blessing that is. So if you're going to live your life for the cause of Christ, that means you're going to live with confidence. It means you're going to live with a commitment. But a third thing I want you to see is that it will mean you will live with a conflict. You will live with a conflict. Now look at verses 22 through 24. We have to hasten on the rest of this. Verse number 22. If I live in the flesh, this uh, is the fruit of my labor. What I shall choose, I what not, or I am not going to make known to you. <laughs> That's what what is talking about. Um, for I am in a strait, a dilemma betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. Paul had a conflict between a desire and a demand. That's what he makes clear in these verses. The verse 23 says that Paul, uh, Paul said he was in a strait, meaning that he was being held between two things. He was being held between the possibility of, 
of dying and going to be with Jesus and of staying here living on this earth and continuing to live for Jesus. And he knew that both things were good things and that's why this dilemma existed in his heart. One person translated Paul's words here as being, I am held in suspense on both sides. Paul didn't know if he was going to die or if he was going to live. And in a real sense, he was in suspense about what was going to happen next. In the middle of his determination to live for the cause of Christ also meant that he had to live with this, uh, this ever-raging conflict in his heart. And you know, the longer you live for Jesus, the more real this conflict will become in your heart. Let's just think about it for a few moments. On one side of this conflict, we see, I want you to note this down, there was a desire to depart. Desire to depart. Verse 23, again, the apostle said, For I am in a strait, a dilemma between two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Paul, he had a longing to be set free from this life, to be with Jesus. Have you ever had this longing in your heart? Romans chapter 8 makes very clear that all creation is groaning. All creation is looking forward, longing for the day when Jesus is going to come again and set, it, set everything right that has been wronged in this universe. And if you've been saved for any amount of time, it won't take long for you to understand the desire to depart and to be with the Lord. And it's, it's just getting sweeter and sweeter every day, walking with the Lord for me personally. And uh, Paul identifies with this, and one of the reasons he gives for why departing was so good because he knew departing meant that he was going to go be with Christ. I don't have time to, uh, to develop this like I'd like to, but uh, go and read 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul indicates that he actually had an experience of going to heaven, vision. He got a taste of what it was like to be in glory. Boy, to his dying day, the thought of going to heaven just kept getting sweeter and sweeter because he knew a little bit, he had a little glimpse of what was waiting for him there. He had this desire to depart and to be with the Lord. And the Bible says in Romans 8.18, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Boy, it's a fascinating thing to think about going to heaven. Streets of gold, gates of pearls. Jesus said he's preparing a mansion, a dwelling place for those of us that are going there. That's not the best part. Well, it's good to think about the loved ones we'll see there and the saints who have gone on before us. I'm looking forward to seeing Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. I'm looking forward to seeing Paul. I'm looking forward to seeing John. So many people in the scriptures I'm looking forward to see. Oh, that's not the best part of heaven. The best part of heaven, you get to be with Jesus. Amen. That's why Paul said, I can't wait to depart, be with Christ. Because that's far better. Far better. The word's far better. I got a kick out of this as I studied it this week. The word's far better there in verse 23. The literal translation of that in the Greek, it means much more to a greater degree better. Okay? <laughs> Actually, some words in the Greek that uh, aren't as clearly communicated in, in our English translation here, but much more to a greater degree better. Um, I think Paul was trying to make a point. It's all going to be a whole lot better than what we have down here. He had the conflict between a desire to depart and the other side of this conflict was a, do, was a demand to delay. There was a demand to delay. Verse 24, Paul said in verse 24, Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And uh, Paul was compelled to delay, to abide. That word abide still, it's talking about 
staying here, tarrying on, to tarry down here and not hasten going on to heaven. And so Paul was compelled to tarry on in this life because it was more urgent or needed for the people to whom he was ministering. One person put it this way, Paul was controlled by what was best for others, opposed to what was best for himself. He longed to go, but he was willing to stay if it would be a help to other people. Wait, I'm running out of time, but let me just share my heart with you on this because the Lord let me walk this path uh, again this week, and it just reminds me of what Paul's talking about here. As a pastor, I have been able to walk down this road with many faithful believers in their final days. And it has never ceased to amaze me the faith of God's people. Remember Miss Edith Chapel? Boy, she had a desire to depart. She didn't understand sometimes why God was keeping her here. So long as she was here, she did everything she could to win people to Jesus Christ. It was a demand to delay. And no, there was also this desire to depart. I could see the conflict raging in her. Remember Miss Dot, Miss Dot Gap, past year, same conflict happening in her. She was ready to go. But uh, Brother Bill could tell you this. Um, uh, she said she came back because my bill needed me. She didn't leave until she had peace that Bill was ready for her to go. The same conflict was there. This past week, got to see it in Dave Johnson. I don't know if all of you know Dave. I know a lot of you know Dave, a, a dear man from our church. I remember two years ago, Dave asked me to go to breakfast with him. We sat down at breakfast together. I sat across the table from him, and he handed me a piece of paper, and he said, Pastor, I want to ask you to have the power of attorney for my living will. I get to a place where I can't make medical choices for myself. I want you to make my choices for me. Then he outlined what those choices were to be for me so that I would know what his wishes were. I didn't think much of it at the time until I started getting phone calls the past couple of weeks about this status. I had to sit in uh, the hospital beside Dave and help him answer questions about medical condition and, and the direction he was going. I remember two years ago when he sat down, he said, I know my health is failing, but I feel like God wants me to stay here a little while. He's called me to be a chaplain to our veterans in Montezuma County. The past two years, Dave has served as a chaplain and made a big difference in a lot of people's lives, delaying his departure because he knew God still had a reason for him to be here. I remember last Wednesday, and I sat in the hospital room with him. The doctor said, even if you have surgery, it probably won't elongate your life. They gave status of where his health was at. Dave looked at me, and he said, Pastor, I'm tired. He said, I prayed about it, and I really feel like not giving up. He said, I'm not, I'm not giving up. He said, I just want to finish. I just want to finish my course. I see this desire to depart, conflicting with this demand to delay, raging in his soul. I don't think that any of us will fully comprehend it until we have to go through it ourselves, until we see someone close to us go through it. I can relate with it. Can, I can relate with it. And I'm going to tell you something. Choose to live for Jesus. The closer you get to Jesus, the more you'll want to be with him. The longer you live for Jesus, the more you'll want to stay as long as he wants you to stay to make a difference in every person's life that you can. Living for the cause of Christ. That's what we ought to want to live for. Living for the cause of Christ means you're going to live with confidence. It means you're going to live with a commitment to Christ. It means you're going to live with this conflict. But the last thing I want you to see is that living for the cause of Christ will mean you will live with conviction. Conviction. I don't even have time to convey all this, but let's read what the scripture says in verse 25 and 26. It says, In having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith. Your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ 
for me by my coming to you again. You're considering all the things that we've studied together this morning. Paul was confident about what he needed to do. He wanted to, de to depart. He knew that God still had a reason for him to stay. He was confident about what God wanted him to do. And living for the cause of Christ require you to live with this same type of conviction in your soul. I'll just give these to you very quickly. The first part of this conviction is a conviction to do God's will. Conviction to do God's will. Verse 25, the apostle said, I have this confidence. I am fully persuaded. I am convinced. I am convicted that I know that I shall abide and continue. Paul was thoroughly convinced that it was God's will for him to stay side by side with these believers. He was thoroughly convinced that God was not done with him yet and that he needed to hang on for a little while longer. And as some people say, Paul only lived uh, uh, two and some have evaluated even up to seven years after this. I personally believe that Paul, according to church history, never left that prison cell. That he kept on living because God still had some scripture he wanted to use Paul to write. And even though he never got released from prison, he never got to see some of the people he was hoping he was going to get to see. He was convinced this is what God wanted him to do and he was going to stay and do what God wanted him to do as long as God wanted him to do it. Friend, living for the cause of Christ means that with every breath you have in your lungs, you're going to do what God wants you to do. And if it goes against what you want to do for yourself say to you, you ought to have the conviction to do God's will in every phase of your life. You remember years ago, we had a man named Don Sisk come to our church. You remember Don Sisk? Don Sisk, as he got older in life and had to retire from his main ministry, he wrote a book called The Fourth Quarter. A great book about spending your retirement years living for the Lord. And his wife died. His wife of, I don't remember how many years off the top of my head. But that was the hardest thing he's ever gone through. It was hard to be motivated to do anything. God still had him here. Another book called Overtime. I watched Brother Sisk. He just decided, I don't know why God still got me here, but as long as God's got me here, I'm going to do what God wants me to do. I'm going to live to accomplish God's will. And that man travels. He's in his upper 80s. He still travels and he preaches and he hobbles about. I'm telling you something. He's making a difference for the cause of Christ. He's convicted. He's convinced. He has the conviction to do God's will. And God help us to have that as well. Not only is there a conviction to do God's will, there is a conviction to be about God's work. Verse number 25, again, the Bible says, And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all, listen to this, for your furtherance and joy of faith. The word furtherance means advancement. Joy of faith speaks of the Christian experience. Paul was convinced God wanted him to stay, help other believers grow in their faith, and experience the joy that comes from living for Jesus Christ. That's why, he, that's why, God, had him, that's why God wanted him to stay. And boy, you think about the, the epistles that God used Paul to write as he was sitting in that prison cell. He would write words about Jesus and send, the, send these words off to these churches. And these churches would get these letters and start reading about Jesus. And wow, Jesus did this for me. All of a sudden... As they began to uh, see what Paul was writing, their joy was being increased as they learned more about Jesus Christ. Their faith was growing as they learned more about Jesus Christ. And suffice it to say, as we consider Paul's example here, that there is a reason that God doesn't take us right to heaven as soon as we get saved. Sometimes I've wondered that. Why don't, why don't we just go right to heaven after we get saved? It seems, seems like to me it'd be a whole lot easier. He leaves us down here 
so that we can preach the gospel to others. That we can help others grow in their faith and have what we have in Jesus Christ. 1 John chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, the apostle John wrote, That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, so that you can have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. John said, I want you to be able to enjoy fellowship with God like I've enjoyed and I want you to understand the joy that comes in living for Jesus. And so, hey, I'm sticking around for your advancement so you can grow in your faith. I'm sticking around so that you'll understand the joy that comes in living for Jesus. And uh, how, how often? Well, let me just put it this way. A lot of times it's a rare thing for a person in their latter years to have a joyful spirit. Let's just be honest. Grumpy is more what it's like, Okay find a person who's finishing their course with joy. Something only God can do. That's what Paul wanted to spread about to other believers as he continued on in his race. He had a conviction to do God's will, a conviction to be about God's work. The final thing I see is that he had a conviction to encourage God's worship. His worship. Verse 26, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. Summarized by saying, what Paul is speaking of here is that he wanted his life to give other believers even greater reason to glorify God. The word rejoicing is not the typical word used for rejoicing in the New Testament. It is actually a Greek word, uh, uh, kukema, speaks of bragging or boasting. What Paul was saying is, as long as I'm living here, I want to keep giving you more and more reasons to brag about Jesus. As long as I'm living, I want to keep writing to you and telling you how great he is. I want to keep being an example to you to show you how, how God can use a, a crazy person like me for the cause of Christ. Give you more and more reasons to rejoice or glorify God through my life. And I tell you, if you're going to live for the cause of Christ, you need to live with the conviction that God wants to use your life to bring glory to his name and not to yourself. It's all about Jesus. And uh, living a life for the cause of Christ means that you must live with that conviction in your heart. Are you living for the cause of Christ today? Because really? if you're living for Christ, that means you can live with confidence. Would you say you're living with confidence in your life today? In living for Christ, can you truly live with this confidence? Living for Christ means you're going to live with a commitment. What are you committed to? What is your blank? For to me, to live is... Anything else comes to your heart or mind other than Jesus. You need to rededicate your life to the Lord today. Start living for him and him alone. Living for Christ means you're going to face a conflict. Have you felt the conflict in your heart? Desire to depart, but there's a demand for you to, for you to delay your departure to heaven. You can help other people. But you, you, ought to, you ought to determine if you've been experiencing this conflict in your heart. I'm going to use every breath that God has left for me to breathe. Bring other people to Jesus. To encourage other people in the Lord. Living for the cause of Christ means that you'll live with a conviction. Conviction to do God's will no matter what. Conviction to do God's work. A conviction to live for God's worship and for God's worship alone. God, us as a church, determine today, surrender our lives to live for the cause of Jesus Christ. Bow our heads and close our eyes together. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Preach a little longer than normal.